you're affected by anything you hear on this podcast, get in touch via manblues at gmx.com or at manbluesuk on Twitter. We're not qualified to help, but we can listen. Please don't suffer in silence. I'm Leon Deggs, and this is Man Blues. This episode is all about toxic masculinity. So maybe people don't understand what toxic masculinity is, and they don't understand why it's bad. But I'll tell you this. I've experienced toxic masculinity, and even when I was looking up the definitions for it so I could get something together for this episode of the podcast, and when I was looking for help and advice and support, I was genuinely not surprised to see how it's described. So I found a website called verywellmind.com. Again, I'll put a link in the blurb for this episode. But the definition of toxic masculinity according to this website is that toxic masculinity involves cultural pressures for men to behave in a certain way. And it's likely that this affects boys and men in some fashion. So of course, that needs breaking down. That needs further explanation. What do they mean by um, cultural pressures to behave in a certain way? Well, they broke it down into three significant steps. Number one, toughness. This is the notion that men should be physically strong, emotionally callous, and behaviorally aggressive. Number two, anti-femininity. This involves the idea that men should reject anything that's considered to be feminine, such as showing emotion or accepting help. And thirdly, power. This is the assumption that men must work towards obtaining power and status, be that social or financial, so they can gain the respect of others. So I thought those are brilliant explanations for what toxic masculinity is and, and you know how it can be categorized into those three those three specific sections but i wanted to break down into each one of those sections individually and sort of tell stories from my own personal life about how this toxic masculinity is is basically it's affecting most of the things that we do and we don't even realize it it comes a point where you get to a certain age you don't actually realize that you're being affected by this toxic masculinity so let's deal with them one by one starting with toughness now the idea of toughness for me was this whole thing about just stand up for yourself you know if somebody comes up to you and starts pushing you on the shoulder and starts getting you in your face and aggressive just stand up for yourself don't back out don't shy away now i was quite pleased and proud of myself that i managed to reach the ripe old age of 21 years old before ever having been involved in any kind of skirmish or fight and then i went to university and uh, it was a sort of a rough and tumble part of the world not particularly nice area quite sort of run down and, and raggedy and sort of left behind by society kind of thing and the only thing really keeping that town alive was the university and the university students now of course the locals didn't like that so much they don't like the fact that the town is being kept alive by the university and by the students they'd rather it was that these students weren't there because you know students cause trouble students get drunk students people all over the streets and so on and one night I was walking back from a friend's house and I was there with, uh, with, with two chaps. So there was three of us walking back and we were walking back up to the university campus. One of my friends was on crutches because he'd broken his leg six weeks earlier, whatever it was. He, he was in a cast with crutches. So there was me, this guy on the crutches and then this, this other guy called Steve. So we are coming up to the train station. It's a really small train station in the middle of nowhere. We're coming to the train station. We had to go up and over the bridge 
and in, as we got up and over the bridge, as we were walking over the bridge, three local lads who were on the platform, they decided that they were going to jump down onto the track, run across the track and climb up the platform the other side so they would be waiting for us when we got down the stairs. So Steve was in front, Crutch's guy in the middle, me at the back. So as we're coming down the stairs I can see there's, they're, they're starting to approach Steve, they're having a chat with Steve and there's a little bit of pushy pushy shove shove, you know, not really very much. They were quite sort of, you know, kind of like Hey lads, do you fancy a bit of a knockabout? Do you fancy a bit of a bit of a scrap, bit of a rough and tumble, whatever? Um, I, I, I don't know what their problem was, but that's what they were asking for. Anyway, my concern was I couldn't run off because if I run off, or Steve ran off, or either one of us ran off, or both of us ran off, Crutch's guy was left on his own, and I just couldn't stomach the thought of anything happening to him because of me running off. So anyway, this fight kind of. It dissipates into nothing, but it was very cleverly done. It was a cleverly orchestrated thing. Um, point being, I had no idea that this was something I was capable of. That I was capable of standing around and waiting for this guy and looking after him and making sure I was running off, but looking back and coming back and running off and trying to stay out of the fray. Um, but it was that level of afterwards when I was talking about it to my university friends the day after. I didn't actually bruise this thing. I got hit in the face, punched in the eye, didn't get a black eye, I got a yellow eye. Disappointing. Nothing to show anybody. Anyway, so I'm sat there at the breakfast table. Someone says, oh, where's your glasses? I said, oh, I lost them last night, last night in the fight. Then we have to tell this whole story. And as I live and breathe, one of the chaps around the table said, well, why don't you just fight back? Why don't you just have at them and have a go at them and stick it to them? And I'm saying, are you kidding me? Three against one. That's just insanity. Because the whole time, Crutch's guy, he, the blood has drained from his face and he's pounding as fast as he can to get across that car park somewhere safe. My favourite bit was the very next morning we went down to the car park near the train station where this had all taken place to see if we could find my glasses. Turns out we couldn't find them. I think that basically the guys who had done the damage whatever, they'd seen that I'd lost my glasses, they'd picked them up and either thrown them somewhere or taken them away as a trophy, whatever they'd done. We're walking around the car park trying to find stuff and this woman walked past with her dog. She said, uh, are you guys okay? And we're like, yeah, yes, yeah. So I'm just looking for my glasses. I was involved in a fight last night here on the car park. And she goes, yeah, yeah, I saw the whole thing. And I was like, are you joking? You saw the whole thing? So did you ring the police? No, I didn't bother. Great. So this whole toxic masculinity thing, this thing about toughness is like, why didn't you fight back? Why didn't you take them all on? Why didn't you just go into a rage and just take these guys down? Yeah, 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 brilliant. So it was kind of like, I walked away from that whole event feeling really dejected and really down about the fact that I'd been beaten up. You know, there'd been a couple of punches thrown and I'd been kicked in the face. I mean, I kind of, I don't want to dwell on the whole story because that's not what it's about. It's not about the story of me getting my head kicked in at the university. It's about the fact that everyone had expectations that I should stand up for myself and I should defend me and Crutchy's guy. So it's like, yeah, no, it's all well and good saying stand up for yourself, but what if the bully just laughs and carries on beating you anyway? You know, if you're standing there going, don't you dare speak to me like that, wallop. Yeah, stand up for yourself, mate. No, sometimes the best form of defence is to actually defend, not attack. It was one of those where I just thought, I felt that even at the time society was going to let me down because of the fact that they just assumed I should be the strong guy doing all this stuff. So then anti-femininity. I grew up in a generation where you were told not to cry. You know, as a boy, you say, you know, boy, boys don't cry. I mean, The Cure sang that famous song, but boys don't cry. Uh, you know, get a grip, grow up, man up, take it on the chin. 
you know, you, you're expected to deal with whatever life throws at you and not complain about it. And that is quite difficult to learn and quite difficult to swallow. And as I said, I've, I've treated my son very differently because I don't want him to grow up in the same way I did. Because I don't, gen- I genuinely don't believe it's a good way for people to interact. I'm encouraging him to be in touch with his emotions because it's quite healthy. I genuinely believe this whole nonsense about, you know, put it down deep down inside you, screw the lid on really tight, and then maybe only let it out at some point when you when you feel you just can't cope. Ridiculous. So I'm talking to my son, I'm making sure that he's opening up about problems, but it's just that whole attitude of, you know, you, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be seen to be weak, you shouldn't be, you know, anything that's feminine is seen as a weakness. It's a terrible idea. Because women are very in touch with their emotions and men just struggle. They really struggle. And finally, the power, uh, you know, men are often managers, men are CEOs, they're often ruthless in the boardroom, but then you get people like Donald Trump, who was a manager, he was a CEO, and he was ruthless in the boardroom. Does that mean that's somebody I should aspire to be? Somebody with that outlook on life, and that outlook on the world, and that attitude towards people and women, and goodness knows what else. There's so many people out there, you say, oh, yeah, very powerful man. Adolf Hitler was a very powerful man. But does that mean I need to aspire to be like him? Do I need to be that level of emotionless, that level of ruthless? And it's just insanity. So I find that that, I mean, again, lifting from this website, they talk about the glorification of unhealthy habits, you know, pushing yourself to exercise when you're injured, for instance. Um, That's something I did. I mean, as pathetic as it sounds, and even saying as pathetic as it sounds means that I'm being toxically masculine to myself. But uh, I would run a park run, which is a 5k run. I would go to park run even when I had a cold. It's not ideal to be doing exercise when you've got a head cold. Moreover, I ran whilst having an injury, being told by people, oh, just run it off, you'll be fine, just get around, stop moaning, stop grumbling. But now I'm having to have physiotherapy to fix the injury that I made worse because I didn't listen to my body. I was put under pressure by people around me to basically man up. But what really prompted me to talk about toxic masculinity in this particular episode was because um, I went to a military festival on the weekend. It was basically at the local army barracks and they had a bit of a display on motorcycle display team, dog team, music, you know, all you name it, all the other bits and pieces that go with the, with the military. Um, and we got talking to one of the soldiers from the Royal Military Police. Now this guy was six foot square. Honestly, he was... He was built like the side of a house. He was huge. We got chatting to him, and I, made, you know, made a few jokes with him because I, I knew about military police. You know, they're tough guys. Had a few comments with him, and then he just sort of said, you know, I've, I've been posted to Iraq and I've been posted to Afghanistan, and I just went, oh wow, goodness, so, you know, those are really tricky places to go. And he said, yeah, he said, um, you know, it was tough, and I did find it difficult. And I just said to him, so have you have you had like PTSD as a result of it? Well, that's when the floodgates opened. This guy then explains to me, yes, he's had PTSD. He didn't realise it was PTSD because there was a little bit of un- lack of understanding as to what PTSD actually is. And he went on this whole discussion about how he's been... Um, he-, he went to speak to his commanding officer about it. His commanding officer is of an older generation, so was along the lines of, oh, just suck it up, dude. Get on with it, what you're talking about, you girl. Those sorts of things. Those kind of negative comments to somebody saying they're struggling. Um, and he's had to deal with a lot of these things and he, he coped with them on his own for a long time until he found a support group but he was of the opinion that maybe that makes him a bad soldier and I was like well how can it because that would mean that anyone who comes in you know is faced with anything like that they're going to be considered to be a bad soldier it, you know he, he went to two very tough places 
at very tricky times, and he's come back battle scarred. He even, to the point where he was, while he was talking to me, um, he even glossed over the fact that he lost colleagues and friends in these places because he felt that he shouldn't just gloss over it and he felt that he should just move on when we were talking about it and he was basically like, you know, I've lost colleagues and stuff, he's like, you know, never, never mind. And I was like, yeah, there's a lot hidden behind that sort of mumbling, stumbling and then never mind. It's a shame I didn't actually, the whole time I was stood there talking to him, I was kind of, I felt like I was interviewing him, which is bad. But I wish I'd have got him. Uh, wish I'd have got his details and got him on the podcast. I would have been really fascinating to talk about. But that's what—that's the sum total of what toxic masculinity can be. And um, you know, if you've got a soldier out there fighting in Iraq or Afghanistan, and and they see some awful things, and you basically tell them to just grow up, man up, and get over it. It's dangerous, dangerous stuff. So I was looking, obviously, with these podcasts, what I'm trying to do at the end is I'm trying to give something positive and supportive back because, you know, we can talk about the, the, the sources, the issues, the problems, but we're trying to help people deal with, cope with, manage these issues that they're experiencing. So, again, lifted directly from the verywellmind.com website because sometimes people, when they write things down, they're more succinct than me just sitting here dashing out a few uh, bullet points. But they basically said, if you feel like you're experiencing negative effects of toxic masculinity, just reach out to somebody. A uh, mental health professional can help you recognize how it's affecting your life and help you break free from your unhealthy patterns. Now, what's really strange to me, um, and I, I genuinely mean this because I've, I've written it down. And in fact, normally, at the end of the podcast, I kind of accidentally fumble my way to the final line, which is, I'm Leon Deggs, XXX, right? But I, I noticed while I was reading these notes for this toxic masculinity and so on, I, I thought it's very strange that since I've started doing this podcast, all the advice is talk to somebody. It's literally just talk to someone. It appears so simple, such a simple thing to do, yet men just don't do it. And that's what we need to get to the bottom of. We need to understand why men feel they shouldn't talk about their problems. One of the comments on the website was talking about men not even, you know, even uh, ignoring their health. And I thought, you know what? Um, I've been registered with my GP since 2008, and I had an issue back in 2020, I think it was. I'd been bitten by a fly of some sort. My leg was inflamed. I contacted the GP. Um, they seemed surprised to know who I was because I'd been on their books for 12 years and never even set foot in the door. Uh, and then at the end of it all, we had a conversation. There was a photograph taken. It was all done online, which was very clever. Um, and then uh, I got a, a sort of a survey. Um, and after that, I've been inundated with text messages from the surgery saying, you need to come in for this, you need to come in for that, have a look at this, think about this, maybe try this, maybe you come for this help test, blah, 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 blah. And I just think, I was left on the shelf for those 12 years with my GP surgery because they just didn't know I was an actual real person until I had a problem. And the only reason I even went to them in the first place is because my wife insisted I have this looked at, this thing that was swelling on my leg from an insect bite. Um, so I was just thinking, it's very strange how all the advice is that we should talk to someone. It appears easy, we just don't do it. You know, men just don't do it. So, in summary, I'm Leon Dex, and it's time we talked. <laughs>